Well, a very good morning to you. Welcome to our uh, 10 o'clock service. We're calling it church at 10 from now on. So a uh, very warm welcome to you all. very warm welcome to uh, Joe and Roger. Joe is uh, the Associate Archdeacon for the Salop area of the diocese and also the vicar of Central Telford. So uh, team rector of Central Telford. So uh, Joe is preaching uh, to us later. So please do have a chat with Joe afterwards. I'm sure that's fine. Uh, just a few other things to uh, let you know about as we start, some notices. Uh, there's, there's a big card in the foyer as you come in. That's uh, for you to sign for Jeanette, if you'd like to, uh, as a thank you. We're going to be saying um, a, a proper thank you, as it were, to Jeanette in a couple of weeks' time on the 12th of February. Uh, but if you'd like to sign the card that we'll give to Jeanette on that occasion, please do that. Uh, we'll have that out this Sunday and next as well. Uh, Mark Underwood is organising a men's breakfast on Saturday the 18th of February. So men, uh, do go along to that, invite a friend as well. Uh, and you need to book in to that with Mark. So that's the, the Saturday 18th of February at 8.30am. Uh, the new Sunday services pattern begins uh, properly from next week. And Sarah's printed out this little sheet that looks like that. If you want to take that home, that's for February notes. Uh, we have Ash Wednesday service, etc., in February. So, uh, but if you want to take that away to remind you of the times, that's absolutely fine. Uh, do refer to the website as well. Uh, that'll be um, updated on the website as you go along. So next Sunday is a said nine o'clock service. At, it's not nine o'clock. Uh, that's a communion service, a brief uh, said communion, and then our main service is at ten o'clock. So that's next Sunday. Again, Sarah has uh, put up on the, uh, the doors as you face going through to foyer uh, the new church directory. Uh, we'd like you, please, to check the entry or entry on that. Uh, just check it's accurate. Uh, if it's not, please do edit it. Uh, right, that's absolutely fine. If you're not on it, please, be, please put yourself on it. <laughs> so uh, just add yourself on it. I think most of you probably are, but uh, just in case you're not too... Um, put that on, that's fine. Now, Phil and Margaret. Uh, we go to uh, farewell Phil and Margaret um, today. Uh, as you'll probably know, uh, Phil and Margaret have uh, decided to uh, move church to Barnabas, uh, that meets in town. And, uh, and so we want to farewell them and bless them on their way. Uh, and uh, they've been part of this church well before my time. Uh, I think it's 26 years, is that right? Uh, 26 years of being part of Christchurch. So it's a long time, and uh, they've done many things I'm, I don't know about, I'm sure, during the time here. And they've blessed many, many people, been involved in all sorts of ministries over the years. And um, particularly, of course, uh, more latterly, uh, coffee in the living room is, is, I'm sure, the way that we will remember you, particularly, uh, particularly Margaret uh, and, and, and Angie, of course. Margaret and Angie set up coffee in the living room, I think it was 10 years ago. Um, and, of course, they've served in so many ways. They've loved and served in, in all sorts of ways. Uh, but particularly Coffee in the Room, we will uh, remember them for. And we need to pray for the Coffee in the Room team as well as they adjust uh, to Margaret and Phil uh, leaving, but not leaving completely there yet. So I think it's right that we gather around them and pray for them uh, at this point. And um, do you want to come on up, um, Phil and Margaret, please? <laughs> and... Um, It's lovely, isn't it, to, to when people do move on to, to bless them on the way. So um, do you want to say anything at all? When, uh, if you want to, that's what you're yeah, fine. Okay. Yeah, uh, totally underprepared. Uh, um, as I said on Tuesday, we've just got to the end of a season. And um, as a gardener, I know that um, if I don't take note of the seasons, then things don't work. And we, we, I just want to say thank you to all of you um, for the many, many, many happy memories we have of this place. Our son was married here, I was baptised here, um, and um, we've um, caused chaos in all sorts of ways, <laughs> quite often involving emptying the whole church of furniture. So anyway, we thank you for your tolerance, we thank you for your love, we thank you for your support, and um, we hope you understand that uh, we're leaving in love and with... Um, and we we just feel that until we let go, we don't know what's next. 
Um, and that's where we've got to God saying, let go. And we're just trying to listen to him and uh, do what we're meant to do. So thank you. I agree with that. Oh, <laughs> so if you'd like to come on up and pray for Margaret, feel please do. Uh, on these occasions, it's important we do gather around and pray. So don't feel shy. Do come up. I've got a microphone here that we can use as well. So do gather around. And if you'd like to pray, just wave or indicate. I'll, I'll pass a microphone to you. That's a start. Lord, we thank. Lord, we. Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that Margaret and Phil have been to this church over the last um, quarter of a century. And we do pray your blessing on them now as they move to Barnabas. Lord, may your spirit rest on them. Keep them in your, in your peace. As we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I want to thank you for your word that dwells so richly in Phil and Margaret. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit in their lives, leading them on into a new season. And we praise you, Jesus, because you are indeed their Saviour and their Lord. And Lord, simply I ask that every single blessing that is already theirs in Christ Jesus, in their lives of union with you, would manifest in even greater measure as they go out. We pray blessing upon blessing. They have indeed been blessed in this place to be such a blessing to so many. And Lord, we ask for an increase because things can always increase in your presence. And Lord, what are the secret desires of their heart that you know today? Would you fulfill those and continue to lead them with even greater joy than they've known in this place? Always, Lord, for your glory. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for the ministry that Phil and Margaret have had here at Christ Church. They have um, been such a blessing. They've been involved in so many things. I remember years ago, Phil, being appointed as elder in, in charge of oversight of youth work. And since then, they have been involved and active in probably every area of church life and for that we are deeply grateful that you sent them to us for a season but now as they move on to Barnabas Lord we pray that um, in maybe the fallow time where they establish themselves ground themselves and hear your voice that you will bless them and that, Lord, as they move on, they will hear you say, this is the way, walk ye in it. And so, Lord, we send them with our love and our thanks to the next stage of their journey with you. Amen. So, Father, we do bless them uh, as, they, as they move with you. Uh, Lord, we know you're our God who is always on the move. And uh, Lord, we pray that as Phil and Margaret follow you, that they would know your touch in their lives, and that they would see you ahead of them, and they would fix their eyes on you, the author and perfecter of their faith. Uh, so go with them, we pray, and we bless them. In the name of the Lord, we bless them. Amen. Bless you, Phil. There's a little gift there from, from us all for you. And so we are going to say some words as we uh, begin our time of worship together. And so the words 
will be on the screen behind me. Let everything be said and done in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, thanks to, God, to God through, through Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Sing psalms, hymns and sacred songs. Let us Let's sing to, to God, God with, with thankful, thankful hearts. hearts. Open our lips, Lord, and, and our mouth shall, shall praise, praise your name. So John's going to lead us in song, Do Stand to Sing. At your feet we fall, mighty risen Lord, as we come before your throne to worship you. As we fear it for you now draw our hearts, and we hear your voice in triumph ringing clear. I am he that liveth, that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. There we see you stand, mighty risen Lord, clothed in garments pure and holy, shining bright. Rise up Flashing fire, feet like burnished bronze, and the sound of many waters is your voice. I am he that liveth, that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive. But now you're glorified, and your works have a red sword of mighty power. I am he that liveth, that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive Praise God from whom all blessings flow. 
Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Give glory to the Father. Give glory to the Son. Give glory to the Spirit. While endless ages run. Worthy the Lamb. Heaven cries to be exalted thus. Worthy the Lamb, our hearts reply, for he was slain for us. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise God from whom. All blessings flow, praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly host, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Do be seated. And so we're going to say these words of preparation together. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. So let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments, and to live in love and peace with all. So we're going to join in and say sorry to God and ask for his forgiveness. Please do join in the words in bold time. Jesus Christ, risen Master and triumphant Lord, we come to you in sorrow for our sins and confess to you our weakness and unbelief. We have lived by our own strength and not by the power of your resurrection. In your mercy, forgive us. We have lived by the light of our own eyes as faithless and not believing. In your mercy, forgive us. We have lived for this world alone and doubted our home in heaven. In your mercy, forgive us. And so may the God of love and power forgive you and free you from your sins heal and strengthen you by his spirit and raise you to new life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Now for children, younger ones, amongst us, uh, Rachel's at the back there with a craft table and so do feel free to go and join Rachel and uh, do join in with that as, uh, as we go on in the service. That's absolutely fine. So as, we, as that happens, um, we're going to sing our next song. Before the throne of God above, let's stand to sing together. Depart. No tongue can bid me thence. 
When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there, who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Saviour died, my sinful soul is counted clean, for God the just is satisfied. On him and pardon me, to look on him and pardon me. Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, my grain of So, Father, as we come to read your word and hear your word preached to us, we pray that our hearts would be open, that we would be obedient to follow in your way and to do what you are calling us to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, do sit down. Susie's going to come and bring us our Bible reading and then uh, Joe will be preaching. The Bible reading today is taken from Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 22 to 40, and it's on page 1028 if you want to follow in your Bibles. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, John, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, may you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Hannah, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She'd lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. 
Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to who all were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. This is the word of the Lord. May I speak, and maybe you'll hear in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you for the invitation to come here and preach this morning. As you heard in the introduction, I've got a bit of a long job title as Associate Archdeacon of Salop and Team Rector of the Central Telford Parish. And fortunately, once a month, I'm released from my parish to come and visit churches around the um, Archdeaconry. Um, I've only been here a year and I'm still getting to know northern Shropshire, but finding Basin Hill was no problem at all. Before coming here, I was a vicar in Manchester for 23 years and my mum lived in Lempster and Baston Hill marked the point on my journey from which I went from, coming from Manchester, the fast roads to the slow roads and the potato lorries. So... <laughs> But it's actually nice to discover there's more to Baston Hill than just the road when you drive through it. So it's lovely to come and meet you as people. It will no longer be only known as the place where the roads got slow. As we draw to the end of January, I kind of think, how have we got this far into the year? And when I look back, Christmas seems so far away. It's only five weeks And it was only 29 days ago that we were celebrating the arrival of the new year, saying goodbye to 2022 and welcoming in 2023. In some senses, and my father always thought this, um, marking the change of year is meaningless. He always said, it's just moving from one day on the 31st of December to yet another day on the 1st of January. But actually there's something about moving from those, between those two particular days that is quite significant, isn't it? And that's why we obviously see celebrations around the world. There's a strong sense of leaving something behind and moving on to new things and new possibilities. As we start a new year, it's as though we're doing an about-face manoeuvre, turning from looking back to looking forwards. And a poem that often comes to mind when I think about this annual turning point in our lives is At the Gate of the Year by Minnie Louise Harkins. Um, It's well known to many as the poem that was quoted by King George VI in his 1939 broadcast. I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. And I think that's good advice when we face a change in direction. For God will always guide us, even when the way seems dark and uncertain. Now, you may be wondering why I'm focusing on a new year and changing face when we left that um, 29 days ago. But today, in the church's calendar, is a day when we change direction. The Feast of the Presentation of the Christ in the Temple technically takes place on the 2nd of February, but it can be celebrated today as the nearest Sunday. And hence the gospel reading today from Luke, when we hear Jesus presented at the temple. And it's a day in the church's calendar that has come to be one when we turn from looking back at Christmas and the celebration of Christ's birth, and instead do an about-face, 
looking towards Holy Week and Christ's death. Today is the time when we recall that day when Jesus was brought by Mary and Joseph to the temple, was offered to the Father and revealed to God's people. So at the time of our reading today, Jesus was still a baby, just six weeks old. And it was the time for Mary and Joseph to take him to be presented at the temple. This was part of the Jewish law, that the firstborn child, male child, would be dedicated to God. And so all faithful Jews would bring their firstborn to the temple and promise that their child would serve God throughout his life. And so that's what Mary and Joseph are doing here, being faithful Jews, keeping true to their faith. And no doubt on this day, having only had their son for um, so, such a short time, they were reminded of God's purposes for Jesus. Now obviously they knew that their child was different to other children, but it must have been reassuring so such a short time after his birth, to have had confirmation that their child was indeed different. Their child had a special, unique relationship with God. And I think it's probably particularly important for them to have it at this time, because it would be 30 years before they'd realise quite how Jesus would carry out his adult ministry. As they arrived in the temple, no doubt Mary and Joseph would have looked back to the extraordinary year they had journeyed through, when they'd encountered angels and shepherds and kings, and their son was born. And they would have thought about the unique blessings that God had bestowed on them. But it would also be a time, not just for looking back, but for looking forward to wondering what the future would really behold for them and their child as he moved through childhood and into adulthood. So it's a day of a turning point, really, for them. But it's also a significant turning point for Simeon and for Anna because they had both spent decades looking for God's promises to be fulfilled. Luke tells us that Simeon had been told by the Holy Spirit that he would see God's Messiah before he would die. He knew from his immersion in the scriptures that God had a plan of salvation, a plan to rescue his people and restore them to a place of righteousness. But as he entered the latter years of his life, he must have started to wonder whether he would actually see all this happen. But he kept on looking. And that day, when he saw Mary and Joseph and Jesus walk into the temple, he must have had such an amazing sense of satisfaction and thanksgiving, for he recognised that God's salvation had come. And actually, not just come to Israel, but also to the Gentile world. As we know from our point in history, Christ's work would only be completed some 33 years in the future. But Simeon now knows without doubt that the divine plan will be accomplished. And his words to Mary hint at this, and particularly at the pain that Jesus will unavoidably cause her as this work of salvation is carried out. So for Simeon, this day was a day when he did an about-face by turning away from his earthly life and looking beyond his death to a future spent in the presence of God. He had seen the Lord, God's promise of salvation made real. And he expresses this in words that have been repeated down the ages in the words known to many traditionists as the Nunc Dimittis. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, 
to be a light to lighten the Gentiles and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Anna too can be thankful that her long life of devotion has ended with a glimpse of the infant Messiah. She finally knew that her waiting was not in vain. Although she wouldn't see Jesus live to be an adult, but she knew the wait was over. Her about face meant that she too could end her days knowing that God's plan is underway. And we see her rejoicing as she praised God and shared the good news with others. This account of the ceremony of Jesus' naming and being brought to the temple concludes Luke's birth narrative. Old Testament prophets have predicted Christ's coming, which has finally taken place at God's chosen moment. This initial phase of the plan of salvation is now over, and Jesus must now take years preparing himself for his adult mission. From this moment on, Jesus must now grow up physically and in wisdom. A time which would involve a developing awareness of the task ahead. And we don't really know very much at all about this time. I think we can probably assume that Mary passed on the amazing prophecies of the angel Gabriel. Because Jesus, certainly by the time he's 12, seems to have a sense of his unique relationship with God. But we have to wait until he's 30 and his baptism by John for the unique relationship to be made present, public, with God's affirmation that Jesus is his son with whom he is well pleased. And then we have those three action-packed years as Jesus develops his ministry actions that will ultimately take him to the cross. So today is that point of turning away from Christmas and looking towards Holy Week and Easter and the living out of that plan of salvation. And as we look back at the Christmas story, I think sometimes it can be easy to see it as a tale that is complete in itself. But I think that fails to do it justice. It's merely the prologue to more significant events. And while I think it's great, and as I saw in my own church, people come to church at Christmas who'd never normally come, and we probably won't see till next Christmas. I think they can fail to link that baby in the manger with the saviour of Calvary. And they don't recognise that God's gift to the world was only completed at Easter. In 1942, after the Battle of El Alamein, Winston Churchill believed that that event marked a turning point in the Second World War. But he warned against premature euphoria by saying, this is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end. But it is perhaps the end of the beginning. It took some time, as we know, in the Second World War for final victory to be achieved. And I think that's a bit how we need to see Christmas. It's not an end in itself, but it's the end of the beginning of God's plan of salvation for the world. And today, we move beyond the beginning and we face into that journey to the cross. In the coming weeks, we'll hear more about Jesus' ministry. And I think sometimes there can be a temptation for us to want to dwell there, to keep our eyes on his life, his healing, his message of love, his kindness. Because the cross is messy and painful and cruel, and unpleasant, and not something we might choose to want to think about. But if we're to understand completely who Jesus is, grasping his humanity and his divinity, we need to make sure that we hold together 
all the different parts of his life in balance. And Simeon knew, and he warned Mary, that the years ahead would not be easy. There would be joy, but there would also be pain. He says to Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. I think these words serve to remind us that we can't just dwell on the parts of Jesus' ministry which are going well where there is joy. We have to take equally seriously the painful, messy, confusing parts as well. In some churches today, or on Tuesday, no, Thursday, when we have um, the 2nd of February, the service can include a special part which I find very poignant, and it's taking place in my churches in Telford, which the Archdeacon of Salop is leading today. At the end of the service, there's a procession by candlelight to the font, and the minister reminds the congregation that an end is being brought to the celebration of the Saviour's birth, that they have rejoiced with faithful Simeon and Anna and greeted the light of the world. Then all the candles are blown out, and the congregation say, Help us, who now extinguish these candles, never to forsake the light of Christ. And then the minister concludes by reminding everyone that here we turn from Christ's birth to his passion. And I find that a very powerful statement of blowing out the candles and standing in the gloom. Because from that point, the time to Easter is a very different kind of time. Gone are the celebrations and the bright lights of Christmas, and a more somber time of reflection is beginning, which gets heightened when we reach Lent. Standing in the darkness, although obviously if we're doing the service in the morning, in the kind of space where the lights have been turned out, we know that we are not abandoned. For all we need to do is to put our hand into the hand of God and he will lead us, just as that poem that I read at the beginning reminds us. Simeon and Anna were faithful servants And they kept alert for the signs that God was keeping his promises of rescuing his people and giving them new life. As we do an about face this day, may we keep ourselves alert like them to see how God is revealing himself to us in new ways and giving us new life. May each one of us shine with his light in the world as we respond to the salvation that God has offered us in Christ. Amen. Thank you, Joe, very much indeed. And I'm going to carry on that theme as, uh, as I lead us in some intercessions and some prayers. Uh, the theme of light, light in the darkness. And when I say, Lord, hear us, would you respond? Sorry, folks, just pause for a second.
do lift Madeline to the Lord. Let's do that together. Father, we lift Madeline to you now. You know her, Lord, you love her. And she is yours. We ask you to surround her with your love and your care and your compassion. Holy Spirit, come. Going to, I'm going to continue in prayer. Uh, let the people around Madeline, let's, let's pray for them as we pray along other lines as well. And the response is, Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Almighty God, as we celebrate the Feast of Cadmus today, we give thanks for your Son, Jesus, who is the light of the world, and for your call to us to share in that light. We pray that our church may be a light to those who live in darkness and that you, Lord Jesus, will reveal your love to each one. We pray that you will hear us and show your presence in our daily lives as you make the ordinary special and as the mundane is touched by the divine. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Creator God, you give us this wonderful world and made us stewards of it. You have made us a family of nations to care for each other and to care for the world around us, despite our differences of race, colour, creed and gender. Too often we are selfish, only thinking of ourselves, and we ask you to forgive us. Widen our vision and help us to be the caring people of God who call us to be. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Let's lift Madeline to the Lord. Father, we lift Madeline to you. Comfort her, we pray. Lord, we pray for an ambulance to be on the way very soon. We pray, Lord, you are, you are the great healer, Lord. We pray you are surrounded with your love right now. Heavenly Lord. Bless her with your presence, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Shall we pray the Lord's Prayer together? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Keep on lifting Madeline to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we, we thank you for those who care for us. We thank you for the ambulance service, paramedics, doctors, nurses, and the NHS. We thank you for them. We thank you that they are for, they're with us when we need them. And Lord, we pray for the ambulance that's been called. We pray that they would get here speedily. We pray that they'd be on their way now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I don't feel it's right to carry on at the moment in, in the order of service, so if you just, just, just keep praying for Madeline, please, as we await the ambulance. <laughs> 